Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast and episode number 32 of Obsessed with the Weather. Today, I have a former colleague of mine and a good friend by the name of Brad Mingles. Uh, Brad is huge in the Citruitz surfing community, and you're going to learn so much about just a, a bunch of great concepts and about surfing and balance and balance and surfing and balance in your life and all those great things. And uh, Brad's great. You know, one of the joys of doing this podcast has been rekindling old friendships. I had a, if you remember, uh, say a couple months ago, I had my friend Joan Strazero, another former colleague, and I've had a lot of good friends on this podcast. I've learned so much about them, and uh, it's just been such a joy to be able to do that. So definitely an unexpected result of putting this podcast together, but it's kind of inspired me to continue to reach out to colleagues and friends that I haven't been in touch with for a long time and, you know, maybe can inspire some other people that are listening to do the same thing. So I think you'll get a lot out of Brad. He's awesome. He's really, really smart. One of the smartest people I know. And I think you're going to love it. So Brad Mingles and the world of surfing. Obsessed with Weather is brought to you by Birding Situate. The spring weather is getting warmer and the amazing migrating birds are on the way. Join me and my co-leader, Liam Norton, as we lead a two-hour early morning spring birding trip on Saturday, May 8th from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. right here in Situate. Do you know somebody that's a birder that you think could benefit from joining us on this trip? Well, let them know about it. Signups are open as of today, and you can find out more and sign up by visiting birdingsituate.com. That's birdingsituate.com to get registered for that amazing May 8th Migrating Birds event. Everywhere he goes, people want to know what's the weather. So he tells him He's obsessed with the weather Any type of weather He's obsessed Hi and welcome to the Obsessed with the Weather podcast. This is episode number 32 and I'm your host Steve McGuire. This podcast is coming to you from the home of some of the world's most diverse weather, Situate, Massachusetts. A reminder to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever you're listening to your podcasts on. And visit obsessedwiththeweather.com to find out more about today's episode and other information about the weather. And that five-star rating will definitely help. And let others know, if you're really enjoying this, take a second right now, go to your phone, go to the share episodes or share podcast area, and share this podcast with one other person. Every single share helps. So help us out by doing that. I have a great episode for you today as we welcome my friend, colleague, and surfing expert, Brad Mingles, to the show and in studio, which is awesome. So, so fun to have Brad actually in studio. It makes a, such a big difference. It's great and amazing and incredible to have all these guests on the phone, but just the personal interaction with folks in the studio is a blast. But before we begin with Brad, as always, our quiz question of the week. So our quiz question this week deals with surfing, because we're going to be talking to Brad all about surfing. What is the height of the biggest wave ever successfully surfed, and where was it? So a pretty simple uh, question. Simply, what was the height of the biggest wave ever successfully surfed, and where was it? So 
Uh, Brad grew up in Westwood, Massachusetts, and、uh, was a colleague of mine and a school teacher for a number of years, and、uh, now works with the University of Massachusetts、uh, higher education system. And he's going to be talking、um, a little bit about that. But、uh, that was a little bit of his background growing up. And you know, one of the fun parts about having、uh, Brad in studio is、uh, just again, like we said, the difference of being able to talk to each other. Uh, so, Brad, can you get us started by、uh, talking a little bit about the board sports that inspired you to begin surfing? Skateboarding to windsurfing to snowboarding to surfing—it all came very easy to me because I I knew how to transfer my weight, how to stay over the board, how to stay balanced, and that balance is literal as well as. Figurative、right. balance in your life is important. Yeah, and, and, in, in all in all terms, <laughs> and、uh, I've used that word many many times with my students and with colleagues with friends. Maintain a balance. Yeah, if there's something that's out of balance, something else is going to fall out of balance as well. So you constantly have to be stepping back and saying, "All right, what am I what am I doing here? Why am I doing it?" And、uh, again, it's、uh, just maintain the balance. Yeah, no, that's good. So. So you grew up in Metro West, like you said, and I did kind of similar, kind of semi North Shore,、uh, growing up myself. And for me, it was like an hour to get to the beach, like a solid hour to get to the beach. Can you talk about how, you know, how did you get to the beach growing up, and how often did that happen, and then what kind of led you in the direction of surfing? Fortunately, my、uh, my parents were、uh, they, they liked going to the Cape, so we we went to the Cape every year on vacation, and so it was never really that difficult to get to the beach、uh, during、okay. the during the, the the nicer weather. But if we wanted to go to the beach、uh, off season, it was always a bit of a, a chore. Why do you want to go? What do you want to go for? Right. What are you going to do there? And I didn't really have an answer. It was just I just I just want to see it. Yeah. And looking at the ocean, it's never the same. It's it's always a little bit different every single day. You can go to the same spot day after day after day, and you'll never see the same thing twice. That's、uh, that's definitely. I don't think a lot of people know that. Like that's that's I, I say that to kids about birding, about golf, about、uh, fishing. You know, like anything's possible any day. <laughs> But that's an interesting take on the ocean. So you feel like whatever the conditions are, they're never the same. Never, and and that's the that's the fun of it. That's the that's the surprise. That、uh, I'll get off on a little bit of a tangent here. No, it's、uh, good. You, take it. You want to have you want to have something that you don't know what's coming. And going back to when I was a kid, again,、uh, I listened to the radio a lot as, okay. as as we did when we were kids. Right, and it's changed a lot. Since then, and now, now it's、uh, a lot of a lot of radio is, is is formatted, or you pick your own songs. You have a song list, and I don't care if your song list is a hundred thousand songs long. Right, you pick them all. There is no surprise. Yeah, yeah, good call. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so, a, that's so, a great point. So, so as a result, I I tend to still I listen to college radio stations. I listen to things that are going to be a little bit different than the mainstream. Just again. You want a surprise? Awesome! Yeah, that's a good point.、Um, all right, so you, you did a bunch of boards. You skated as a kid, longboard. Is that a thing? Right? Yeah, I awesome. Was, I was a I was a vertical guy though. I was a I was riding ramps and pools and and 
flying off the top. Got it. Love it. That's great. Uh, so, so now take us, obviously, you know, being in Situate, it's an amazing place. You know, if there's definitely folks that are listening that don't surf, however, there are definitely some folks that do. But for those that don't surf or at least always look out off of, you know, the overlook on Peggotty or the beach at First Cliff or even in the harbor, can you kind of go take us through like surfing 101 about why Situate is such a is attractive to so many surfers and kind of what it's about and how you got into it? Okay, yeah, uh, Situate is uh, is kind of a unique place just because it has it has a bunch of different types of breaks, different ways the wave breaks, different directions, and it's got something for most, if not all, conditions. And Peggotty is is the I, I guess the can't miss spot. Got it. Usually, if there's any kind of a swell, it's it's going to break there. Okay. And Peggotty is what's called a point break. Yep. Meaning that there's a, a piece of land that comes out off the shore, and it's it's uh, it's like a pyramid, and it forms a point. So when the swell comes in, it starts to peak up over the the tip of that pyramid, right. and it will fall off over the edges of it. Awesome. And the nice thing about a point break is that the waves, as they come in, they don't come all the way to the beach and crash really hard. The hardest thing about surfing and the most intimidating piece about surfing is when you initially paddle out. If you have to paddle out through what's called a beach break, which is the traditional roar of the ocean yep. type of scenario when you when you leave the beach, you have big waves that are crashing in. Yep. You have to go through that. There's no way around it. There's no one on a jet ski. There's nobody going to drop you out in the lineup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're going through, and that's that's the hardest thing, especially when you when you start surfing. When okay. I when I first started, there were a few days where I didn't even get off the beach. Wow. And you you spend 45 minutes doing that, oh. and then you just go home dejected, and and you you can't let it get you down. You just you, you go out the next time and you, you do it a little bit better, just a little better every day. Right. And before you know it, you, you're, you're out there doing it. Awesome. So, uh, so there, the point break at Peggotty is a very easy paddle out, but it's a very long paddle out. Typically, okay. point breaks, you're going to be paddling out a couple hundred yards. Sometimes at Peggotty, it can be three or 400 yards. Oh, wow. Which is a long way. I mean, you start paddling and you're paddling, 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 and you you feel like you're going to the horizon and Crazy. you see these little specks out there who are the people you're going to be surfing with. <laughs> yeah, right. And you're, you're like, oh, man, am I ever going to get there? And eventually you do. And you sit up on your board. You look around. You say hello to the other people that are there. And you just – there's something about when you get out there, especially if it's early in the day. One of my favorite times to go surfing is at daybreak. Awesome. Which means the paddle out is before daybreak. Wow. You get out there, you sit up on your board, and you see the sun peek over that horizon, and you just say, man, there is nothing better than this. Oh, so good. Oh, I love it. So uh, a big part of that, too, obviously, there's a there's a surfing community. You know, like one of our colleagues, Bob Dylan, is somebody that we had, you know, we had talked about maybe getting in the mix someday for an interview and uh, you know, a lot of a lot of the folks out there know each other just from it's a great community. But I, I'm going to say it, what I guess it's relatively small to a certain extent. I mean, you, everybody kind of knows each other usually. And if you don't know someone by name, especially in the wintertime when we're all wearing exactly the same thing, <laughs> you you know, you know, people by their boards. 
Okay, you may cool. not you may not know their name for a little while, and but you know you know who's there because you can see who who's riding what board. Awesome! Oh, that's a that's a good tip to know. So so that's why we see a lot of people at Pegity. Um, so t- tell us, kind of take us through the, I guess for lack of a better term, for you, like the beginner, intermediate, novice. Like what did that look like for advancement into? Oh, sorry, let's try it again. Beginner, intermediate, expert. Can you take us through? Yeah, we, you didn't want to go backwards there. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's that's okay. I, yeah. did, I didn't quite finish off the uh, the reason why Central oh, yeah. is such a good place. So, sorry, to, keep going to yeah. serve. And uh, the the reason why that it's uh, it's so diverse and it's such an attractive place to surf is that there are multiple beaches that face different directions. Okay, Peggotty faces toward the southeast, so that means that anything that is out east of Cape Cod, any kind of weather disturbance, a wave maker. That's gonna that's gonna hit Peggotty straight on, and it's a it's a nice wave, and it's uh, depending on if it's wind driven or if it's uh, storm driven, it uh, it's it's typically a can't miss spot. Awesome. Now a little farther north, there's Egypt Beach, which yep. is probably the 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 equally popular spot in situate. That beach faces to the northeast. Okay, and. The nice thing about that one is that the prevailing winds in this area are, are southwesterly. And the perfect conditions for a, a surfing day is if uh, there's a storm or a low offshore that's generating waves. Yep. And there is an offshore wind, meaning that there's no chop. Awesome. So the direction of Egypt is perfect for that. Great. So it, it, again, it depends on the conditions. It's a beach break. And you better be prepared to either paddle absolutely as fast as you can or go through a couple of waves. Right. And so is that as long as Peggotty on the way out or no? No, not even close. Okay, great. And so I, I also see folks it, on that first cliff beach. Um, oh, yeah. what, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, that one, that one is not for the uh, faint of heart. Got it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So back to my, hold on, back to my beginner intermediate expert, that would not be a beginner place to surf. Yeah, Egypt is more of a beginner place. Okay. Peggotty is uh, anywhere from beginner to expert, depending on the conditions. Got it. Out off a first cliff, uh, a spot that we call left and right, Uh because that's the direction the waves break. And the terminology is, if you are on your board, Facing the shore, a left means you're going to go to the left. Yep. And a right means you're going to go to the right. Got it. And people get confused when you're on shore because if you look out and you say, okay, that's a right. Well, okay, if, if you don't know the terminology, you're standing there on shore looking out at the wave saying, well, why is that a right? Because it's going to the left. Yeah, yeah. Crazy, <laughs> so, right? So, so uh, lefts and rights uh, or, or any place in between first and second cliff. There are a lot of rocks oh, wow. there, and it, again, it's it's not for the inexperienced, and uh, you really need to know, to know what you're doing. And uh, I've had a number of people over the years ask about the you know the rocks out there. Aren't you aren't you worried about the rocks? Right. So well, no, just just don't hit them. Yeah, you'll be fine. Yeah, it's simple. It's <laughs> don't hit the rocks. Yeah, and there are some times when you have to make some very quick decisions. Uh, a few years ago, I was out off of First Cliff, uh-huh. which. Uh, where I was, it's a it's a left. Okay. So I'm heading from first cliff towards second cliff, and I took off on this one pretty big wave, and there's a a rock 
that is off in front of me to my left that's about the size of a Volkswagen bus. Okay. And I'm looking at it, and I'm doing calculations in my head, all right? I'm going this fast. I think if I can cut back this way, I think I can make it in between the wave and the rock. Oh, boy. <laughs> How'd and it go? It was, uh, it was successful. Awesome. It was about the fastest I've ever gone on a surfboard. It was wow. one of those days where you just – you look and you say, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the hammer down here. And I, I made it with a little bit of room to spare and then just shot out the other side. And it was just – it was awesome. awesome. I looked back at the guys I was with and every single one of them was just hands over their heads. Just, right. If they had numbers, they'd be holding up tens. Love it. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> Um, all right, so take us through your progression because obviously, you know, I use this term all the time, like nobody was born an expert, right? So it took some time. Obviously, the skating and longboarding and stuff like that as a kid helped you a lot. Tell us, take me through the progression from when you really got started in surfing to kind of the expert level you're at now and the time it took and just kind of all the things, the advice you'd give to people that are just getting rolling with it. Well, the uh, first thing is that uh, you're going to need a surfboard. Yeah. And, and I've had many people over the years ask me, what kind of surfboard should I get? Oh, what should I do? And, and there's really no wrong answer. And, and I think the best answer is buy a surfboard that you, you like the way it looks awesome. because you're going to learn how to ride it. doesn't matter whether it's short or long or you know, whatever. Right. Uh, Longboards are easier to learn on. Okay. So that's, uh, that's what I would recommend first. The nice thing about a longboard, which means a board that's around nine feet, you know, right. give or take, uh, you know, a foot or two. But uh, a longboard has a much wider range than a than a short board. Yep. But it it can't quite turn as fast. However, you can ride a longboard in one foot. You can you can ride a longboard in ten foot waves. Cool. But uh, when so, you first, so your success rate is a little higher. It is a little higher. Yeah. Cool. It won't take you long to get a ride. But it will it, – it's kind of like when you first go on a roller coaster. You know, the first time you, you go on it, it's taking you for a ride. You're holding on. You're, yeah. you're, you're terrified. <laughs> <laughs> right. But after a couple times, you're now on the roller coaster. You're leaning into the turns. You're yep. leaning forward on the hills. And, and you're really you're, – you're riding the ride. Cool. And surfing's kind of the same thing. The first time – like I, I had a typical skater's – Ego going into surfing, and I said, "Ah, yeah, no problem. I'll be doing this this afternoon." Right, and you paddle, 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 and if you catch the wave, you stand up, and it's like you're standing up on a banana peel, and off you go. Oh, the the balance is a little bit different. A surfboard doesn't react exactly the way a skateboard does. Skateboard's yep. a faster reaction because you have you have positive resistance all the time from the street. The nice thing about surfing is that when you fall. The ocean doesn't hit you quite as hard as the street does. Yeah, right on. Oh, that's great. But uh, but yeah, it'll take uh, a very short amount of time until you can get a ride. And if you see beginner surfers, they typically get a ride. They start in the white water. They ride straight in, and that's the ride. Uh-huh. And that's cool because you've you've caught a wave. And that once you do that, it's. There's nothing like it. Cool. There's just nothing like that feeling when nature is propelling you and you, you've, you've caught the wave yourself. Right. The, the, the thrill of the chase, so yeah. to speak. Awesome. You have the wave. And uh, there's a movie called Step Into Liquid, which talks about that feeling you get and why we like surfing. 
And it's it's just because of that, because it's all nature and the, the speed of the waves is about the speed that we run at uh-huh. as well. So there's that feeling of I'm moving along at a speed where I'm moving kind of fast at a swift pace. And I, it's, this is the speed I'm meant to go. So cool. Oh, I love it. And, you know, my listeners know this, that I always put links to every episode. So I'll put all this information, um, that movie you're talking about. Uh, so what's the name of it again? Step into Liquid. Awesome. Step into Liquid. Uh, I'll put some links to the types of boards, those types of things. Um, so, so about how long to get to where you are now? Would you say it, it takes a it takes a few years to get to the point where you're not thinking, all right, I when you paddle for a wave and you say, I hope I make this. Got it. It takes uh, you know again like one to five years, depending on how how long you go or how many times you go a year. Yep. Uh, and after a while, it's like, okay, I'm going to get this wave. Got it. Awesome. Versus, I hope I get this yeah, wave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's interesting. It seems like, and again, this is total layman's terms, no idea. It seems like, quote, unquote, the off season for surfing in Situate is the beach is the, the opposite of the uh, beach season for most folks, meaning like, the summertime is go to the beach, hang out, go swimming, all this stuff. But you don't see a lot of people surfing in the summer. Can you take us through that sort of seasonal weather stuff for Situate? Surfing's a winter sport. Okay. It, it really is. I mean, I, I, I tell people that all the time and they don't believe me. It, it really is. And, and that's, that's when the biggest waves are, are around and the most consistent waves. And I, I surf year-round like all of us in this uh, this this uh, unofficial surfing club that we that 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 Steve talked about a little while ago love it and uh it, it when there are waves my phone starts buzzing at about 5 in the morning usually it's bob dylan nice the other bob dylan yep the other Lo- bob dylan no, i love it local spelling yeah <laughs> i love it <laughs> but uh but yeah we all start talking to each other about at about 5 o'clock in the morning where are you going to go when are you going to go who you know what are you going to do what board are you going to ride so and, cool. and it just it just goes around and around and around, and it's much easier to to get waves and go surfing in January than it is in July. And I I surf twelve months a year. The hardest months to surf are usually July and August. Usually I have to leave the state and go to Rhode Island. Okay, that's a south facing beach, but uh, it's. It's a uh, what was the original question that you asked? So, so no, 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 that's totally fine. I was just, just <laughs> I get a little lost sometimes. Yeah, no, it's okay. I was just looking for like why seasonally is oh. is the winter mostly the time where uh, people are surfing the most. Oh yeah, it's it's the time when people are surfing the most because that's when the most storm systems are are going to be out off the New England coast. Right. Awesome. Um, so tell me a little bit about, so you, you know, you've been kind of doing this year round. It's, you know, it's relatively close to your house. Now you live relatively close to all the beaches. We all do. If you live in town, you know, close close enough to hear it. Oh, I love it. Right. Which is definitely a good thing. I I interviewed a couple of buddies of mine that are, um, kite surfers and they said the same type of thing in regard to texting each other. They're constantly looking at the waves. They're they're constantly looking at the wind. Wind is more their thing. But they, you know, they're like, oh, you know, and they'll be looking three, four or five days out, you know, like, or even further, right? Yeah. So tell us a little bit. So at being a weather podcast, tell us a little bit about some of the apps or technology that you use uh, to kind of get yourself prepped as you get ready for surfing. Well, if you could see my uh, my phone screen here, uh, on 
on the front of it, aside from uh, email and uh, and Strava, of course. That's, right. Uh, you know, Love it. Facebook for for jocks. Right. Uh, I have uh, something called Magic Seaweed, which yeah. is the uh, the surf report, and that one's okay. It's based in the UK, so sometimes it's not quite that accurate. Yeah. Uh, I have one called Egypt Beach Surf Report, which is a which is a more local one, and then another one called Windfinder. Awesome, because uh, I'm also a windsurfer. I, I surf more these days, but uh, the wind uh, is always uh, always of interest. And uh, we all check these. We all take these with a little bit of a grain of salt and say, oh, you know, the best the best weather forecast in the world is just walking or driving to the beach and checking it out and looking right. at it. Yeah, I've said it multiple times on this podcast that, you know, the last thing Don Kent used to do before he gave the weather was he looked outside to make sure he didn't tell everybody it was going to be sunny, but it was actually raining out. So the conditions, I call those the on-the-ground conditions, like right there tells you what's going on. Um, So most epic, best, most memorable, amazing surfing experiences for you happen when? Aside from every time, it's uh, when you go out and you're with you're with good friends, and there's never any chippiness or anything. It's never any. You hear these stories about uh, places in the world where the locals rule, and you know you gotta you have, you have to know your place. We don't have that here. Cool. There's there's plenty of room for everybody, and with waves, they'll always make more. And, yeah, and. The best days are the ones where it's just a it's a small group of guys and and there there are women out there as well not right. too many but it's uh, but it's it's nice my my wife is also a surfer she's awesome. not uh, quite as far down the road with experience as I am but but she loves getting out there and she goes out and does it and when uh, when she and I are out together that that those are also one of my one of my favorite times anytime we can do something like that together right. And we've been married a long time, and there's a reason for that. Yeah. And the reason is that we do everything together. Awesome. And uh, so I, I, I don't think I have one single favorite time. Uh-huh. I think I have many. And uh, it, it, my next favorite time could be tomorrow. Right. Oh, that's great. So, and I alluded to it a little bit in your intro, but, you know, you're obviously a phenomenal athlete. You're, you know, you've gotten into biking a lot recently, and, you know, when we – when I knew you or when we worked together, um, you know, obviously running is still a huge part of it. You know, I, I clearly consider you, whether you want to believe it or not, an endurance athlete because you do long-term events, right? Yeah. You know, you've run to the top of Mount Washington in that race multiple times, right? Mul- multi- uh, yeah, that yeah. ultra marathons. Yeah, and- so, I mean, it's it's amazing. Can you kind of tie that into surfing? Because if you – if you didn't know, I would think somebody would be out there surfing for four hours. Like, and I don't think that's a thing, right? Can you take us through what that looks like from a duration standpoint for surfing? Yeah, it, it depends on the conditions. In the wintertime, the water drops to about 38 degrees, and it, it's cold. Right. I mean, it really – yeah. there's no getting around yeah, that. You're it's, not, not going to pretend it's not <laughs> cold. It's cold. And uh, we have a standing rule that uh, the sum of the air and water temperature should be 50 Okay. If it's 50 or above, we'll go. We'll even shade that down a little bit. So, right. so the water's 38, and that means we're going to be down into the low teens wow. going out there. And you really have to be smart about it when you go out. Right. I don't care how, how good the conditions are. I always wear a watch. I, all, I, I never go solo when yep. it's that cold. Okay. And I, I always look at my watch when I paddle out and say, okay, it's 3.05 right now. I am 
in onshore at 4.05. Wow. Okay. Nominal. Right. I mean, give or take a few minutes, but yep. not a lot. Because when you start getting cold and you get hyperthermic, you make bad decisions. Yeah. And yeah. it's you really need to keep your wits about you and you need to be smart about it. Awesome. So, yeah, nothing to mess around with. No, no. And uh, so in the wintertime, you get about an hour, maybe okay. a little bit more. In the summertime, you can go for a lot longer. I right. mean, you can, you can be out there for you know, two, three, even four hours. Right. But you know, after a while, you do need to come in and take a break. You need to drink some water. Right. Yeah, right. Take care of yourself, right? There's still that component. Take us through that, you know, uh, dry suit, wet suit. What's that language all about from a surfing perspective? Oh, yeah. Uh, typically, surfers wear wetsuits. Okay. Divers wear dry suits. Got it. And the reason for the wetsuit uh, is is that it's it's got less resistance. You, you're smoother. The skin is smoother. When you paddle, when, you, when you're in the water, you want to be as slippery as, as possible, so okay. to speak. Cool. And uh, wetsuits, people think you get cold, but you really don't. The, uh, you get a little bit of a sting when, you, when the water first creeps in or if you go in hard and you get a little wash down your back. Yeah. And uh, it certainly wakes you up. But uh, typically a wetsuit for the winter is going to be uh, five millimeters. Okay. And, uh, and then it goes down from there as the seasons, as the seasons progress. And uh, a lot of guys have a winter wetsuit. I, I mean, we all have winter wetsuits, but a lot of guys have that uh, intermediate wetsuit, which is called a, a four-three. Okay. Which means four millimeters in the torso and three millimeters in the in the in the limbs. Got it. And then there's another one uh, for the summer. Typically, here we use a three-two. Same same type of uh, nomenclature there: three in the torso, two on the limbs. And uh, I only have two wetsuits because. I have an unusually high tolerance for cold. Right. So I go from my winter wetsuit right to my 3-2, which is a spring-summer wetsuit. Awesome. And I'll wear that spring-summer wetsuit until usually around Thanksgiving, maybe even December 1st, and then go right to the winter suit without without going in the intermediate one. That's great because – and I know – my uh, listeners that are surfers right now are loving this talk. Like, and, and the non-surfers are learning so much. I love it. I, I am. It's so good. Can you take me through? Is there So all these years, ballpark, what would you say? How many years you've been surfing just kind of in general? Uh, I don't know. Somewhere 15, 20, somewhere around there. Awesome. Has there ever been a point where you're like, wow, this was not a good idea or I'm nervous or – was there ever like a breaking point where you're like, I think I need to cut, you know, cut the cord here. This is not going as planned. Any of those events? Never one that I thought about walking away. There been there's there was a time when I broke a board. Oh boy! On a big day. Wow. About 350 yards offshore, and you you really need to just take a minute and say, yep. okay, I broke my board. I got to get out of the break zone where I am right now. Yep. And then I need to get into shore. And you can't panic. <clears throat> if you panic, you're, you, again, you'll make bad decisions. Right. So uh, you know, after, after that experience, the next time I paddled out, it was a little spooky uh-huh. because I was thinking, you know, the last time I was out here, I, I, I got into a little bit of trouble. Uh-huh. And you need to keep things in, in perspective. Again, that balance and right. say, okay, well, it, it's like when you – if you go in hard and you get – you get held underwater for a little while, uh-huh. and 
the first instinct you have when you get down there, it, it's dark. You don't know if what's up, what's down. You're tumbling. Yep. And the first instinct is, oh, I got to get to the top. I have to, I have to get out of this. I have to struggle. I have to get up to the top. I have to get some fresh air. No, you can't do that. Uh-huh. You have to take a moment and just say, all right, can't really take a deep breath, but figuratively take a deep breath right. and say, okay, I'm only going to be down here for probably 10 seconds. Right. I can hold my breath for at least a minute. I know if I just let go, let myself get carried to where I'm going to get carried, yep. when it stops tum- being tumultuous, I'm going to go to the top and I'm going to get out of this. So and just trying to maintain, just calm, trying to maintain that calm. Balance. Yep. Right. I love it. So you're a dad. Um, there's definitely uh, caregivers and parents and things listening in my audience. Uh, they, you know, they may not have grown up surfing, but it's obviously an awesome activity for kids. How do I get my kids started into the surfing world? Well, you can do it a couple of different ways. There are uh, surfing classes which uh, which get offered. Usually, they're uh, up at Nantasket. Okay. There are surf camps. Yep. And neither of my kids went through that because I taught them how to surf. Yeah, you were the surf camp, <laughs> right? Brad Surf Camp, <laughs> love it. Local, local, <laughs> locals only. <laughs> but um, but the surf camps, uh, the parents that I know who have sent their kids there, the kids have had a ball. They love it. Absolutely nice. love it. And they, they provide everything. They provide uh, foam top boards where ki- they're soft if a kid falls on it. Usually if, if you have a kid surfing, the kid's so excited to be up that he or she will ride that board right into the beach, right onto the sand, right into the rocks. And it's a foam board, so it's indestructible. Nice. If, uh, if it were one of my fiberglass boards, I'd have another project to do when right. I got home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. But but getting kids into surfing, just getting them out there, it, it, it doesn't matter whether it's a boogie board, body surfing, surfing, anything. That wave motion moving you, there is just nothing like that. Cool. Yeah, I guess it's one of those things in life where good early first experiences are going to breed them wanting to do that later on, right? Oh, yeah. so, so I'm sure you had, you know, those great experiences that led where you are today. So. Uh, as we kind of get ready to wrap it up here, uh, as you look at, you know, you kind of look back and say to yourself, you know, wow, I've been surfing X amount of years. I, I've met all these great friends. Uh, you know, we all are in touch on our phones on a great surf day. Um, you know, as you kind of look at, I guess, for lack of a better term, like your surfing career, um, what do you think would be the the highlight of all of that? If you were going to kind of sum it up. For people, what's kind of the highlight of us being a, a lifer in the surfing community? That's that's not an easy question to answer. I mean, I tend to look at things as the body of work. Yep. And there are many components to the body of work. Every day has something special. Every day, it's like being a teacher. It's yep. the same thing. You could have you could have a, a, the worst day in the world except for this one kid who asked the right question or just you see that sparkle in the kid's eyes and you just say, man, I'm, I'm glad I'm doing this. There's, this is why I do this. And so it doesn't matter. I mean, I've had days where I've just been off. I had one just a couple of weeks ago. I just didn't feel like I had it. I thought my balance was off. It just, just I didn't really feel like I had a good day. Yeah. But I couldn't wait to go do it again. Because I knew that the next one, 
there's going to be something special. There's right. always something special. And even on a day where you don't feel like you have it, you're out there with friends and, and uh, you know, we're, we're guys. You know, that's, <laughs> we, we spend about 85% – I used to tell my students this as well – we spend about 85% of our time just hanging crap on each other. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> we get a lot done, Yeah, but we do that a lot. Yeah. And it could just be just some wisecrack, and you just say, yeah, oh, I can't wait to see those guys again. It's right. just so much fun being out there. And, uh, again, live where you play. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. So uh, it's so good to have you, Brad. I, uh, we're going to wrap it up, and I love always giving my guests an opportunity to ask the question. So it's time for our quiz Question answer. So again, the quiz question was, what is the height of the biggest wave ever successfully surfed? And the second part of that question is, where was it? So Brad, give it a shot. My guess is 100 feet, Nazare, Portugal. All right. Love it. So Brad is correct in the location, which I'm sure most folks did not know. So it's Nazare, Portugal, and the uh, highest wave on record with the Guinness Book of World Records is 78 feet by a with a guy by the name of Garrett McNamara. Do you know Garrett? I do. I don't know him personally, but I know who he is. Okay. He's so kind of famous in the surfing community? Yes. Ah, love it. Awesome. So uh, Nazare, Portugal, 78 feet. So uh, thank you so much for joining me this week. Brad, awesome to have you in studio. Thanks for having me. This has been a blast. Great. And uh, you can find out more about today's show as well as upcoming episodes by visiting obsessedwiththeweather.com. Be sure to subscribe today again on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever you're listening to your podcasts on. And visit Obsessed With The Weather to find out more about today's show. And I hope you have an awesome week. Mm-hmm.